now I want to move on. I want to welcome Angie Gittes and Sarah Elliard. They're going to talk to us today, present to us doctors and health professionals on the front line. Angie Gittes is a mother of two, a nurse, a student and an activist. <clears throat> she's employed in a public hospital emergency department where she's also a union delegate for our association. Angie is completing a Master of Public Health and Trop Tropical Medicine with an interest in the effects of climate change on the health of vulnerable communities, particularly our Pacific neighbours. Angie's interest in international health has seen her providing humanitarian assistance as a volunteer in the Philippines, Nepal and Kiribati. Motivated by a strong belief that our environment is integral to the health of the community, Angie has been involved in many environmental protection actions, including organising health professionals' protest actions at the Bentley blockade and in the Pillager. And um, <coughs> she's going to move on to talk about the Adani site. With the mantra of think globally, act locally, she believes that we can all take part in affecting change and that health professionals have a significant role in encouraging others to recognise the risks and take action. Sarah is a registered nurse from Sydney. She's passionate about the environment and health. Outside of work, she's a volunteer group coordinator for Stop Adani Sydney, which actively helped in the successful campaign pressuring Westpac and the Commonwealth Bank to rule out funding Adani, and which is now focusing on getting the Labor Party to come out clearly against the mine. We have to say good luck there. But uh, she also co-admins co the Facebook page, Nurses and Midwives for Action, Climate Action, and would like to see more nurses become actively involved in climate activism. Okay, let me now present to you Angie and Sarah. Take it away. Thank you. We're both reasonably short. I think we can share this. Um, so Sarah and I had never met before we went to the Adani site up in North Queensland as part of our health workers, health uh, professionals action against Adani. And this is a little story of how we came to be and why we did it. Um, so why us? Well, um, healthcare providers, um, we're well respected and people trust us. Um, and you know, people believe that we act in the best interests of the community. Um, so we're an important voice. And healthcare is not only about fixing problems, it's also about preventing harm. And you know, crucially, our health is inseparable from the environment. We don't have that clicker. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so this is just a picture of us at the Adani site, outside the gate where they're going to build the railway. And um, that's two doctors on one side, a beautiful social worker, the elderly lady with grey hair, June Norman. If anyone's been following activism anywhere, they'll have heard of June Norman. She was actually one of the climate change guardian angels that went to the Paris Convention. And then Sarah and I on the other side. Right. 
next one, yeah. So, you know, why, you know, um, be active on climate change? Why want to go and stop Adani? Um, well, basically, you know, um, environmental activism, it's part of our code of ethics and, you know, value statement eight. I remember um, coming across this when I was a student nurse um, and it says that nurses value a socially, economically and ecologically sustainable environment promoting health and well-being. So I think if we... We've actually printed out that value statement eight on the back of the piece of paper we handed out, but essentially what it says is that health... All people's health is linked to the environment and as health professionals we have an obligation to take care of the environment, to address the environment so that we are actually taking care of people's health. And we can't take care of health and ignore the environment because they are so intrinsically linked. We have to understand that. And then we have to take our responsibility and act on it as well. Uh, that's Dr Sujata, and that's a tweet that she put out from the Adani protest on the day that we were there, um, and that tweet was retweeted, like, I don't know, a few hundred or thousand times. It's part of... I, I'm no good with numbers, but um, a lot. <laughs> Again, so why Adani specifically? Um, so just for some context... Um, the Adani mine, um, if it goes ahead, will be in central Queensland and it will actually be the biggest coal mine in the southern hemisphere if it goes ahead. Um, and this is at a time when we need to rapidly transition away from um, coal and other fossil fuels as an energy source if we're going to um, prevent you know, further um, catastrophic climate change. Um, and Burning coal is the biggest source of carbon emissions from human activity, and it's actually yeah, the number one cause of climate change. Um, also, I mean, just directly, um, coal-related air pollution um, kills over 800,000 people globally each year. Pretty shocking statistic, and about 3,000 in Australia. Um, and coal... Um, also has a lot of other local pollution effects, that, um, water contamination, um, coal dust, you know, affects communities living close to coal mines. And, um, yeah, just to obviously elaborate on the, you know, um, effects of climate change and health. I mean, I'm sure people here are very aware of this, but, I mean, obviously, you know, extreme heat kills. Um, and changing climates, you know, spreading diseases. And already, you know, we're seeing an increased number of droughts and extreme weather events, which have serious health implications from food shortages, exacerbating conflicts and also you know, displacing people. Um, continuing on why we felt it was important to focus on Adani. Uh, so Adani has permission to draw... Um, a lot of water, so billions of litres of water from the underground water sources. So that's from the Galilee Basin, which is the recharge for the Great Artesian Basin. And that has a huge ramification. That, that we're the most water-scarce continent on the planet and we're letting mining companies take it for free 
at the expense of our farming communities that feed us. So the farming communities out there are living just on this little threshold of being able to access their underground water. And if the water level drops and the mining companies can't say how far it might drop, farmers might lose access to their water completely, which means they cannot make our food anymore. So I think that's, you know, that's crucial. Uh, another reason that we felt it was important to focus on Adani is that increased coal exports from those coal ports up north mean increased traffic through the Great Barrier Reef. Anything that risks our Great Barrier Reef is a risk uh, to our employment for a start. We've got over 30,000 jobs on the Great Barrier Reef. The mining companies can't match that at all, and yet they're pushing that this is about jobs and growth. So we're really concerned about increasing the traffic through the Great Barrier Reef. And also, with respect to our traditional owners, Adani doesn't have the consent of the traditional owners of that land, the Wangan and Jagalingu people. And so in solidarity with the local traditional owners, they've said no, we're supporting their stand and saying no. So a little bit of a picture on where it is. The picture on the far your right is Queensland. Um, little red dot is Adani. The nearest town to there is Mackay. And then the picture on this side, that circle is the roundabout site of the Adani coal mine. Little blue mark underneath is the Galilee Lake. So it's right on the edge of the, in, in the Galilee Basin there. And the cross is uh, where their train line will come out and join the train line with their coal. That's where they've started building the train line and that's where we were arrested. <laughs> okay, um, so getting there, um, as Angie's just pointed out, you know, central Queensland, it's um, a pretty remote area um, and, you know, it involved a pretty big commitment um, getting up there um, for a lot of us. Um, it involved um, flying to Proserpine Airport um, and then from there it's about an hour to Bowen um, and then about another hour to where we um, stayed at a, um, a campsite up there and um, um, across the week that we were up there, um, you know, we travelled some pretty vast distances and um, it was one of the remotest places I've been for a long time and you really have such a sense of how far apart everything is. Um, and that photo there is a photo I found of the um, Gregory Highway, which is um, it was somewhere along that highway, I'm not exactly sure where from there, um, you know, is the um, rail construction site um, yeah, for the rail line um, that will lead to the mine. Um, and that's where we had, you know, our protest. And, um, yeah, that was about four hours' drive. Um, and um, we had to camp out close to, the, close to the, the site the night before because we had to be on site just sort of before dawn. And that involved being up at um, 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, pretty pretty big commitment being there um, for a lot of people. So we're a bunch of health professionals and we wanted to make it really clear that what we were doing up there was not just saying no, but um, offering something positive as well. So we ran, pretty much it was a week of action and part of that action was we ran two health forums. 
So we ran a health forum one night in Airlie Beach and a health forum in Bowen and uh, we had the, our beautiful public health physicians who came with us actually led those health forums and the forums were an opportunity for reaching out to locals for providing information that came from a, a trustable source, that's healthcare workers, um, for listening to community concerns and for showing that we were wanting to hear from them and that we were there to take positive action and to support them as well as taking protest action. Um, yeah, so um, that's a photo from the first health forum that um, Angie just mentioned um, in Ellie Beach um, and presenting... It's a little bit unclear, I think, in the picture, but um, is um, Linda Selvey, who's a um, public health physician, and she's um, one of the doctors who put herself on the line and, um, you know, was prepared to be arrested um, in the you know, name of public health as part of this action. Um, yeah, and there she is you know, really advocating and, you know, talking about um, the health, the health of impacts of climate change, which are very significant. Um, so we just have a quick slide about um, nonviolent direct action um, and what exactly that is. Um, basically, it you know encompasses a wide range of um, peaceful nonviolent um, protests. Um, yeah, and um, you know that can be a whole range of things. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to involve being arrested. It doesn't have to involve locking onto a gate. Um, like that's um, John, another one of the um, doctors who was arrested on the action. Um, uh, you know, it it's um, a grassroots form of action in which all people can be involved, and um, you know, it should be accessible to all. At, um, you know, at a local level, it doesn't have to involve you know travelling vast distances to central Queensland or um, yeah, putting yourself on the front line, um, but. It should be, yeah, something that we can all take part in. You know, health professionals as well have a role in that, and it's about drawing attention to you know any form of injustice. And in this case, um, it's you know environmental injustice. Again, that's uh, Dr. Lin Linda Selvey locked onto one of the gates at the Adani site. Uh, so this is our day of action. This is when we got up at three o'clock in the morning so that we could be at the site before the Adani workers arrived. Um, you have to be locked onto the gates before the workers get there, otherwise they get in and it kind of defeats the purpose. Um, and they know we're there, and so they, they try and get there early as well. So it's a bit of a, you know, a race in the morning to see who's up first. So we did get there very, very early, that's sunrise, and we were there before sunrise, and we used the time between being there and any kind of action occurring to do a photo shoot because we are there to raise awareness and raise publicity. So we did a photo shoot there and the next few photos you'll see. Yeah, you can't quite tell in the photos necessarily, but we were standing there with, you know, mosquitoes, like just all everywhere and, you know, the sun in our eyes and everything. It was, yeah. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, that um, in the photo there, um, Cara and um, Jeanette, um, and they're both um, um, vets who um, joined the Health um, Professionals Week of Action. So you know, because it's obviously it's, it's also not just about human health, um, but yeah, it was 
it was really great to be part of such a diverse range of health professionals. We had, you know, um, allied health, we had psychologists, you know, we had vets as well as doctors and nurses. And, um, and this photo, um, we have Sue um, holding the Stop Adani sign and um, she's a um, senior nurse and also um, a lecturer um, in climate change and health and um, she was one of the nurses who was arrested with us. And um, there's Sajata again, um, yeah, one of the doctors. Um, she's a GP from Sydney. The way we were arrested is that um, one of the Adani workers is a bit of a sentinel, so they drive past and see if they can go to work. If they can, they two-way in and everybody comes in, no worries. And if the gates are blocked by pesky protesters, they phone the police. Um, the tactic, the Mackay Tactical Response Squad is now based in Claremont, tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, uh, to respond to the pesky protesters. <laughs> so the next photo here is um, the five of us arrestees um, outside of um, Claremont Police Station, holding up our charge sheets of the photo. <laughs> um, so yeah, really, uh, basically, um, the police had arrived and um, John and Linda were locked onto the gates um, and um, we were, and the rest of us were, had linked arms in front of the, the, con the construction site. And um, in the um, briefing before the action, we'd all talked about you know, whether we were prepared to be arrested and what would happen when the police moved us on. And um, obviously Linda and, and John locking themselves on knew that they would definitely be arrested. And Angie and Sue and I had also decided that um, we would um, refuse to leave um, the site. So, um, the police, um, you know, issued our move-on order, and um, when we refused to go, they, you know, said to us, "Well, you understand that um, you're going to be arrested," and we said yes. Um, so that was that was that. Um, the, th um, the three of us, um, well, the, um, Linda and John were still locked onto the gates. Um, the three of us spent about an hour in the back of a police van, and then about another hour travelling to Claremont Police Station. And then it's very wild before we were processed. It's quite a long journey, but um, you know we had been up since three o'clock in the morning. So I think even in that photo, it's still quite early in the morning. Although it seemed like you know it's just been all day. So just at the police station, it was the Mackay Tactical Response Group that came and arrested us, and I'd like to give credit to them for being very pleasant to us. Um, they made small talk. They were kind. <laughs> they. Um, you know, offered us lunch, <laughs> almost. Um, but it was all of our first time ever of being arrested, so it was a little bit, like, surreal, you know, because we're not... I mean, we might be pesky protesters, but we've never been arrested before, um, and we're certainly not criminals. And we did find out that there's no seatbelts in the back of a divvy van. It, you know, it's a public health hazard. We're a little concerned. Um, We've never shared a cell before. We had to pee in front of each other. It was desperate times. Um, and we were also interested that we'd been in the cell for a couple of hours before they decided to do the psychological assessment to see if we were safe enough to be in a cell or whether we might self-harm. They, they also asked, had we taken any drugs that day? And I was like, well, does coffee count? 
I don't know. Um, so we were processed and a couple of hours later, the two physicians who locked on had been unlocked and they also arrived and they were processed and then we were put out on the streets of Claremont and told to find our way home. So luckily we had some friends who had arranged to come and pick us up and we were bailed and released. So now we're waiting. Our hearing is actually on Monday. We still don't know what the outcome is. We were all five of us charged with refusing to comply with an order and three of us charged with obstructing police officers in their duty by not moving after the first comply. Uh, and the last batch of protesters who had their cases heard just before we had been there, so they've just had their cases heard last week, were fined $8,000 each, $72,000 worth of fines for one day's protest action. And just to put that into context, Adani has uh, contaminated, they dropped a load of coal in the flood and it contaminated a wetland near the port. For that action, they'll find $12,500 and they still haven't paid it. So $72,000 for, wasn't even a whole day of protest action, it was a half a day. Seems a little extreme. So. At first, when we were arrested, we were like, ah, yeah, we're cool. We'll just do a GoFundMe. We'll be all right. And then $8,000 each. We're taking a big breath in. So Monday will be interesting. But what did we achieve? So why did we do it? Why did a bunch of normally well-behaved health professionals go and be arrested? Because we felt it was really important to raise awareness. And we also felt that not just raising awareness but when you have health professionals who step outside of what we expect for them, who step outside of being well-behaved and become pesky protesters, suddenly we give a legitimacy to the actions of the other people protesting. So we've given a legitimacy to this protest against Adani. We've taken our professional voices up there and we've said, you know, these other pesky protesters that are up here, they're doing this because there is a real and direct threat to human health, to global health, to the health of our coral reef, to the health of our water supply, to the health of our future generations, to our farmers, to our ability to provide food for ourselves. They are all real and direct threats. And as health professionals, we have an obligation to act on them. And here we are acting on them. That lends legitimacy to the whole action for everyone else that's up there protesting. It makes the general public stop for a minute and think, should I be paying attention to this? Is there something I'm not, haven't taken on board yet? That's why we were there. In addition, we, um, we, we did actually struggle a bit to, um, to make the news initially because there was a sort of misperception um, with the banks having um, pulled out funding for Adani that the mine wasn't going ahead. But um, we know that you know, Adani is very, very um, determined to go ahead. Um, and in fact, you know, recently it's come to light that they actually have enough money to self-fund. Um, so we're, you know, we haven't won, won this campaign yet and it's still very, very serious. But in any case, we did um, make um, the local Channel 7 and Channel 9 news um, and what was really amazing was the social media coverage. Um, 
and as you can see up there, the breaking image reached 55,000 people. Um, and the arrest pictures, 25,000 people and with hundreds of retweets and likes on um, Twitter. Um, yeah, and overall about 250 to 300,000 people reached on social media, so they're pretty incredible. So we just thought we'd give a really quick bit of personal um, story of our motivation for action. So uh, a really big driver for me is climate justice and the impact on, of health on people, particularly in the Pacific. I've been doing some work in the Pacific. Um, I've been spending time in Kiribati. I went to the Philippines. I feel like I've heard the stories and seen the effects of climate change on our Pacific neighbours. And it, uh, I'm a sook, but man, it, it brings me to tears every time I think about it. These are people who are looking down the barrel of a climate change extinction of their culture. Their whole self, their whole identity is going to be underwater and it is devastating. And for us as a country to stand by and allow that to happen, we are being terrible, terrible neighbours. And I don't want to be that kind of terrible neighbour. I want to take care of my global family. So for me, that is a huge driving influence. I um, you know, really second what Angie said and um, you know, my motivation is you know, that... There's no social justice without environmental justice and our health and well-being are intrinsically linked with the health of our planet. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's sometimes hard to communicate that to people. Um, but, and I, I do environmental activism sort of, that's not, you know, sort of directly linked with health, but, um, you know, I, I feel that sort of linking the two things together is a really, you know, powerful way to communicate the message. And I think that as nurses, you know, we really, you know, do have um, that position um, and to be of influence and to really, you know, be part of um, the communication, just of the urgency um, of climate change. And um, so would we do it again? Hell yes. Uh, $8,000, <laughs> I don't know, but yes, we would. Um, and at the end, there were just a bunch of links of if you want to be involved, you don't have to lock yourself to a gate. You can go to any of those sites and sign petitions. You can donate to Frontline Action on Coal. They do fantastic work supporting protesters. Um, nurses and midwives of climate action. And also on the very bottom, I forgot to include our nurses and um, the NMA one, but I've written it on. Go and like us. We're great. <laughs> and Healthy Futures is a divestment NGO. Our super shouldn't be invested in fossil fuels. We are health professionals. We shouldn't be funding this. So if you want to know about your super, go to Healthy Futures, click on what, Ask My Super to Divest, or click on Switch. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much.